0: <laughs> what,
1: are you, what are you watching? Uh, so I binge watched The Witcher, which I think everyone has. Yes.
0: Um, I saw the first, I saw ha- most of the first
1: episode. <laughs>
0: it just seemed kind of like Xena or Hercules with better production values and Henry Cavill. But I was really surprised how feminist it was, weirdly, because I did not get that from the game.
1: I... So I had a weird experience. One of my coworkers was talking about how he loved it. He played the game. He was in love with the game, and that he was upset because one of the characters had has in the game apparently really red hair, and in this in the show, it's an African American woman.
0: Uh, that's that's I, not at it being an African American woman. That's at your friend being like, I want my Caucasian.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, they could kind of... They could have put a red wig on her. I don't care. Well, when I was watching it, I thought it was Jennifer that he was talking about. And I was like, is this who he's talking about? Because she's not African-American <laughs> at all. And I talked to him the other day. It was not her. Um, It was, I'm, I don't remember her name, but she had cur- really curly hair. And she was awesome. And he goes, "I'm like, okay, good." I was, I was more concerned that he just couldn't tell like East Asian from African American. <laughs> I was very concerned yeah, about that.
0: I it's like the whole like the thing about um, interesting that redheads are the commonality. It's like when people were freaking out about the new Ariel and being like, "Oh, but she's supposed to be a redhead." Well, first of all, it's black, a myth. Black people with red hair exist. Mm-hmm. And um black people who dye their hair red exist. So and also it's really don't Yeah. Don't 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 be like that. It's twenty twenty. Be better. Like come on. I mean Just it reminds me of when um that character from the Hunger Games. Oh, Rue. Yeah, like in the book she's not I don't know if she's I can't remember if she's described as any one way but then mm. she was cast um, there was a black actress who played her and i forget her name i don't know if she's been in much after she might have oh but...
1: she's been in uh the hate you give
0: yeah no it just it reminds me of that controversy uh mm. i'm getting very getting very political right out the gate here on the trove <laughs> uh this is so this is the trove it is yes. the talkie portion of Relic, the Lost Treasure podcast, where I bring on my friend Courtney, who's got a PhD in history. Courtney?
1: <laughs> I do not have a PhD. Oh, I thought you did.
0: You could have, you know what, Courtney, you could have not said anything at all. I'm pretty sure the last episode I actually said you had a PhD in history. Did you
1: really? Was I still yeah. drinking whiskey at that point? Probably. Um, <laughs> I was still creeped out from what happened to me at work today. So I brought that up and it creeped me out. No, I have my master's. In oh,
0: history. I thought they were the same. <laughs> I'm a master, well, not a doctor. Great. great. <laughs> it's,
1: it's fine. You can you can give me the the letters after my name. Some students did. And I was like, thank you for giving me an additional like three years of work done.
0: <laughs> it's a good feeling, I imagine. I got into two master's programs here in Australia, neither of which ended up working out. But I am going back to school for vocational for community so like social work kind of stuff um which is really cool i can't because the government being a western democracy in 2020 uh is an incredibly difficult when it comes to immigration um i can't work until school starts so i'm just podcasting and you know living living that living that experience so it sucks and it must suck for people who like like really suck for people who come from countries that aren't as advantaged and try to like mm-hmm. live their life here. Um and not doing what I'm doing, which is incredibly privileged and I'm so lucky to have such a supportive community. Uh is this look this episode of the trip is getting like really mm-hmm. off. It's the getting ground, really deep deep. <laughs> um it's very political. I'm very into it. Mm-hmm. Um but basically the moral of the story is let's treat immigrants better and let's shut the f up when it comes to colorblind casting and also like let's have more opportunities for people of color in in like roles in like not just roles where it's like this person was white and now they're black that's you know the do doing thing like let's actually have more black writers more black writers in the writer's room more black characters and more content created by people of color and yep that's my that's my soapbox and yeah. there we go uh Maxwell for president of Australia 2024
1: <laughs> should we update them on my finger since oh uh, yeah. yeah finger watch
0: <laughs> finger Courtney's, watch. Courtney's finger I think it fell off you ran out of super glow so it's actually just <laughs> now
1: so I had hit it during the last recording because spoiler alert we record them back to back um and I looked at it and I go, Maxwell, I have to leave. I have to go trim my finger. <laughs> so God. super glue wasn't going to work because that skin was... Fun fact, the reason why you super glue it really quickly or you get stitches really quickly is so your skin can knit back together. If yes. you don't do that, you just have a dead flap of skin, which I just now have uh, trimmed. By the way, <sighs> if you're going to... This sounds she weird. She any of this <laughs> out you can edit so much of this out it's fine um but no my fun fact is if you need to like like say you hurt yourself and you like that trick doesn't work use nail clippers because it's less invasive
0: traumatic to the skin
1: yeah so you can like get close but you still have that edge so it'll Um, it won't hurt you right that's my that's my domestic tip of this episode From that Maxwell's probably going to edit out.
0: <laughs> no, I think it's fascinating. Courtney, I feel very in two ways about this episode because let's just get it out the gate. This is a very Lost Treasure-centric episode mm-hmm. of The Trove, and it involves lost treasure that is found. And... I've always wanted to do a follow-up episode to a lost treasure that was found. None, none of them have in like the 40-odd 40 45 episodes of Relic History. I don't think any mm-hmm. of them have been located that I've covered. But these two have. And it's unfortunate that I haven't done an episode about either of them because this would have been the perfect recap. So oh, yeah. uh, I, feel, I feel a way. But you know what? We're going to save that for later. Courtney, what do you have for us? What's first up on the docket?
1: So I have archaeologists who use radar to find a Viking ship buried on an island for a millennium. Okay. And this is from the Washington Post by Alex Horton. And this comes from December 2019. So it's pretty recent. And so we know that the Vikings wanted to die in battle so they could go to Valhalla and quote, they can have a fight and party every day and then the next day do it again and quote, it's just as college, <laughs> it's just, uh, as Newt uh, Pache, a period archaeologist said. So how did they do this? They would use the vessels to give their really it was uh, chieftains and kings who were laid to rest in the long ship with swords and jewels and were buried in earthen mounds who would that would signify their stature and the larger the ship in the mound the more important easy enough like we there's numerous ways we can find this so archaeologists used ground penetrating radar because you know me i love some ground i love that kind of uh remote sensing kind of stuff and they found a big mound carved into a western norwegian island Wow. along with yeah so they found the remains of a huge ship. It is possibly as long as 55 feet. What are you kidding? <laughs> no, I was just
0: thinking of the Viking funeral where they just put them in a canoe and light them on fire. I was not thinking giant mm-hmm. ship.
1: I'm just thinking I've watched the show Vikings. I need to catch up. I know there was I haven't watched the, like the big two significant deaths that have happened. But I'm just like it would be so great if like that's what happened. Like they just buried them in the ship. Really significantly is this discovery may tell new tales about how the ships evolved to become those really terrifying vessels of more than a thousand years ago. So this is from Edoi Island, and they announced that they found it on November 22nd by the Institute for Cultural Heritage, where Pache is an archaeologist and researcher, and it was really discovered through luck. They partnered with the small municipality and the county of Moore and Rumsdale to conduct research in the area and it was already known for its rich historical setting, including Viking battles. I just this is what I love about this region. Like they're like, you know what, we're gonna invest in our history and like make sure like we know as much as we can. So when they had finished for the day in September, as the institute reported, they were like, you know what, let's like really Take this quick pass with the radar in a farmer's field near a medieval church. So they're like, we'll just go quick. So they take the geo radar vehicle, and if you've watched, there's a special on Stonehenge that shows really good at showing ground penetrating radar. There's so they're like a little, you can go over with like a little. It looks like um, you know what you think in the 1950s push mowers where they're like the wheels.
0: Yep, it looks like I that know exactly or- <laughs> what you're talking about. It's like almost like a cartoon. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Or they have one that kind of drives itself, like it's a little bigger. Mm -hmm. So they put it over the soil, revealing the husk of a ship set inside a burial mound, one sixty feet in diameter. So really, it had been destroyed, like the mound had been destroyed through centuries of plowing through the dirt. And they really, they just, I mean, everyone I think has kind of seen, if you watch True Crime or like you're into archaeology, you've seen images of like, the ground penetrating radar, it just shows the abscesses. So mm-hmm. they don't really know how much of the ship remains before they excavate it. They can pinpoint the ship's backbone, which is a 42-foot keel along with hints of planking. Right. And they don't really know if there's any occupants in the ship with any riches or weapons. Uh, they know that they found a ship last year buried and it had rotten away, leaving only black detris, which is basically the remnants of wood um is another it different area than detritus
0: or is it the same or that's detritus yeah i just can't say oh. it oh i didn't know if detris is like a material detrist. or something i wasn't trying to be a jerk i was like literally no to
1: just... no it's just fine it's just i'm like i'm going with my best guess on the pronunciation of that okay um they also found another ship in england that had no wood even though the outline of nails helped identify it so like basically the soil composition changes so they're like oh that's That's where the detritus helps because they're like, that's where the ship was. So you can like basically get the outline of it. The main thing about this discovery, it's significant because few immaculate artifacts remain, especially as large as a vessel. They're only, uh, Pesce says, quote, there are only three large preserved, well-preserved Viking vessels in Norway and we need more, end quote. And all of them are in a museum in Oslo. So if you're in Oslo, go check them out. Um, Edoi and the surrounding region was well traversed by the Merovingian dynasty, which pre- preceded the Vikings, and later the Viking chieftains basically put themselves in there, doing the things the Vikings do to get like taxes and all of that. There was also major v- battles fought in the area, including some waged by Harald the First, Fairhair, a Viking mm-hmm. who unified Norway as the first king in the ninth century. Um. They think it might belong to the Viking year, which is from 1800 to 1000 A.D., which is um, or even possibly earlier from the Frankish Merovingian period. So either way, it's really like when they finally get down in there, which we probably won't get an article for another couple of months or maybe even years. It's going to be significant. Wow. Yeah. So we know Uh that typically there would be 26 rowers um, to power a large Viking ship to get through the wind-blasted fjords, and then they would use sails to travel on the sea. Really, the significance of those ships were they helped them go into England, quickly attacking soldiers, settlements, before going off. So basically, they would do surprise attacks, and they'd be quick, and all of a sudden they're gone. Quote, they made ships that no one else could cope with for 200 years, end quote, as Pascal said. And this is really where we get this terrifying image of Vikings, Uh, The Edoi find was similar to another buried ship's discovery last year, so 2018 in Halden, uh, the southern capital, which the georadar signature was really similar. They had uncovered a 65-foot Viking ship amid several other burial mounds, and this is, like, that one's supposed to be the biggest Viking-age ship ever buried. Quote, I think we could talk about a 100-year find end quote says uh, archaeologist john bill who's the curator of the viking ships at oslo the oslo museum of cultural history when they found that 65 foot ship so the fact that they found two of these ships within a year really excites people because they're like okay we can start digging further into the history and realize that we can um, not only learn about them but find more information because I think if this is the second Viking story I've done for you, It's they're just so fascinating because we know so little. And so anything we learn enriches what we, like, little knowledge we have. Yeah. Amazing. Huh. Wow. Yeah. So I have a buried Viking ship in Norway. How crazy is that? <laughs> That's huge. A-
0: it's been a pretty crazy year or a year or two for archaeology and finding things. I still think we're too still caught up on the, um, the can we drink the fluid from the coffin <laughs> found in Alexandria.
1: What are but you talking about? We're definitely not still worried about that.
0: The forbidden liquid. Um, so I'll go into my first one. And I'm kicking myself because I've wanted to do this episode for a while. And for some reason, I just never did. Yeah. And granted, when I said we found a lost treasure, we found a part of it, which I considered to be a victory. So do you know much about La Noche, my terrible Spanish, La Noche Triste?
1: <laughs> the sad night?
0: Or the, I like to be more poetic and say the night of sorrows, but yes, it's the sad night.
1: Is it a Picasso? It sounds like a Picasso.
0: No, I do you know I I know why you, that's, um... <laughs> It's not Guernica. No, it is Guernica. But there is, it does sound like a Picasso.
1: It sounds like it a Picasso. Does. <laughs> I don't know
0: if there is a Picasso called La Noche Triste, but mm-hmm. essentially what it was is in 1520, Hernán Cortez, big jerk, conquistador, yeah. tried to go into the Spanish capital, steal all the gold and make a run for it. And he got trapped. Uh, his men got trapped on a causeway. Uh, sort of like in the swampy area, and we're basically slaughtered by the Aztecs. And oh, the in, gold.
1: Uh, did you call on?
0: That's how you pronounce it. Thank you, because <laughs> I've tried to. This actually was brought up on the Legends of the Hidden Temple episode, so it's sort of been covered. And then I said, "Oh, I'm going to do an episode on it," but it's only been like two weeks since I did that, <laughs> so I haven't had time. But essentially, they were enc- they were encumbered and weighed down by the gold, and so it sunk.
1: You into know that it's area. heavy. It's real heavy. People yes, don't it is.
0: this. <laughs> Gold is exceptionally heavy, so it's no one's ever been able to find it despite best efforts. And I will eventually do an episode on it. Um, until now, by which I mean actually in the 1980s, we just didn't know it. So the the long and the short of it is that a new scientific analysis, and this is by the way, comes from the Guardian. A new scientific analysis of a large gold bar found decades ago in downtown Mexico City has confirmed it was part of the plunder Spanish conquistadors abandoned as they beat a temporary retreat from the Aztec capital. So, Mexico's National Institute of Anthropology and History, or INA, announced the findings um, a few months before the, fi- the 500th anniversary of the battle that forced Hernan Cortez and his soldiers to flee the city. On the 30th of June, 1520. Now, of course, he came back to With the. A vengeance. Yeah, and he did end up wiping out, not the, all of the Aztecs, but he did a sizable amount of damage. Um, Can I just say, of... I, th- I thought Go of ahead. the
1: movie that he's in, to Cortez, Too Furious. <laughs> <I'm> sorry,
0: <laughs> I thought you were going to so... say the. Well, that's so... the title of the episode um that was so bad i sorry i thought bad. you're gonna say, Eldorado, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say the road to el dorado but which is a great movie um it is. one of the reasons why they the aztecs slaughtered the spanish is because they just killed montezuma their leader like a day before this happened so the gold bar was originally discovered in 1981 during a construction project it was found 16 feet uh, underground in downtown mexico city which of course was built on the ruins of the aztec capital what's it called courtney Tenochtitlan. Tenochtitlan. Uh, tenochtitlan. sorry uh, my yeah. Nahuatl is not the best
1: i yeah I, I know how to say it i just have to look at it and that's a thing
0: i say maybe go with Tenochtitlan. anyways Tenoch. tenoctitlan
1: tenoctitlan okay I know right. how to say it, but I've had whiskey, so let's not <laughs> let's not count this as valid
0: uh, I mean it's okay. We just shoot from the hip here on the trove, <laughs> so the bar weighs about two kilograms or four point four pounds
1: that's pretty heavy for a bar yeah. that's not that big
0: it's it's also it is it's twenty six point two centimeters long or ten point three inches long. centimeters wide and 1.4 centimeters thick. So it's sizable.
1: If you chucked it at someone, it would hurt them significantly. Yeah.
0: And it's just, it's so fascinating to think that the current capital of Mexico sits on the former capital of the Aztec Empire. So it's kind of been the same.
1: It's like Rome. It's the Mexican Rome. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yes. It's in Mexican <laughs> Rome. So the bar was discovered in 1981. As I said, it was found beneath the streets where the canal would have been that the, the gold would have sunk in. So presumably all this gold is just sitting beneath the streets of Mexico. And the reason they were able to figure out that it came from that time period is they used a fluorescent X-ray chemical analysis. Now I look this up and granted... The bar is set pretty low for me when it comes to stuff, but I had no idea. <laughs> like, I don't, I never did physics in school, so I didn't understand this whole wavelength. There's talking about spectrometers, which I thought was just a fake word from sci-fi. It's but not, no, they were a, no. And I was trying to find, like, a way to condense it where I could describe how they were able to date it. Because it's not carbon dating. Oh, they did not do carbon dating. But it was they were able to pinpoint its creation to 1519 to 1520. So that would coincide with when they... What Cortez did was they took the gold statues and objects and art from the, the treasuries and they melted them down for easy transport. So they just basically destroyed these beautiful artifacts just to turn them into transportable gold.
1: You know what that so, sounds like? What the Nazis what? did?
0: Yes, just melted very down. interesting. Genocide, just people are generally awful. Uh,
1: We've already talked about that today.
0: Yeah, we have. <laughs> so, yeah, that's really, the, that's it. They found one of, the, I mean, I mean, they found the bar a long time ago, in the, well, mm. you know, in the 80s, but they didn't know that it was, in fact, from La Noche Triste. And presumably there's still more to be found.
1: So, yeah the problem yeah. is mexico city's sinking isn't it i'm not crazy i it?
0: don't know i know venice is i don't know if mexico city is i mean i would just take you at face value with how the <laughs> world's going and be like of course of course it's sinking
1: well it's built on a swamp because uh Tetucan, uh was built in a swamp thing that's why if you've ever watched anything on the um island of the dolls they explain like how they created like it was a watery area if I remember what I've reading, they, like is it's slowly sinking.
0: That the and I'm really batting, batting nothing on this. Mm-hmm. But is that the Isla de las Muñecas? Yes. Okay.
1: You know where everyone's favorite Zach Bilbo Baggins went to go <laughs> and talk
0: to from Ghost Adventures. Zach Baggins from Ghost Adventures. Yes. Yeah. Do, do we want to? I uh, I don't think I'll ever do something on relic about it but it's a spooky little island it's very small it's in the middle of like one of these canals which are all over mexico city and yeah. it's got a lot of dolls pinned to the trees so uh it gives it a really nice welcoming vibe and it's very haunted looking like obscenely yeah. haunted looking
1: basically it started in the 50s apparently some guy there's a the story goes a girl a little he found a the body of a little girl that drowned in the canals and then there was a doll so he hung up the doll to either appease the, the little girl spirit or to like you know comfort I don't know and then all of a sudden he just would put up dolls everywhere uh, instead of watching Ghost Adventures don't give them your time watch uh, I would say BuzzFeed Unsolved's episode on it I think it's better Um, and they address the problem that the island is covered in spiders oh no
0: it gets worse
1: Oh yeah, I would recommend watching it because it's just kind of funny. Because they're like, they're like, it's creepy, but like, really, the scariest thing was all the spiders. I'm like, that's fair. And they have like a genuine skeptic on their team, so they're he's just like, he's my favorite. He just makes. Fun is of he everything. the one who
0: goes, "Hey, Demon, is it's your boy?" Is yes. that where that comes from? God.
1: Yes, that's a goatman bridge. He's like, they are using a Ouija board. He's like, if you don't respond, this is my bridge now. They'll come and tell tales of me. And I was like that's the best way to handle a situation like you didn't show up this is mine now
0: it's i'm the very, ghost now
1: <laughs> it's very imperialistic and i'm like you know what with ghosts and demons let's go that way but let's stay in mexico because okay. next my next story is also um coming out of mexico city and the mexican coast so Two 16th century anchors are found off the Mexican coast that offers clues into the Spanish conquest. This comes from Rutgers.
0: We didn't plan this either. No, we didn't. Like, we, don't, we, never, we never share, well, rarely do we share what we're going to talk about because we want to try to make it seem off the cuff because this is for similitude in podcasting. So this mm-hmm. is actually really like in
1: sync. Good job. I know. I was like, I oh, it's because we haven't talked to each other in so long I know. that the universe brought it together. Yeah. So, yes, archaeologists discovered two iron ship anchors off the coast of Mexico's Gulf Coast. So that's their eastern coast that date back to 500 years and could uh, have actually been from Cortez's fleet, which landed in 1519 before overthrowing the Aztec Empire. So actually like the same time they're found near the former Spanish settlement of Villa Rica in the southern Veracruz state. And they're really well preserved, which if you think about it, uh, what are acres made out of iron and metal, which in saltwater tend to corrode? I yeah. guess they tend to corrode more when you take them out and the air comes in and science happens. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> I should have just said that for when we were doing the spectrometer nonsense. I should have been like, so science happened. And now so we know s- <laughs> that they were the bars instead of being like, uh, mm, uh, I don't I don't know.
1: <laughs> I know slightly about. Wavelengths and stuff from my class on remote sensing. But beyond that, I'm just like, I remember staring at that class. And I was like, everything is going over my head. I'm a humanities person in a science class. But uh, Mexico's National Institute of Anthropology and History, INNA, uh, believed that like the anchors are from the 15th century. And they're looking in the area and they found more artifacts from the invasion. They identified 15 other sites that could be anchors or other ideas of galleons that under cortez's command have were sunk to basically force his troops to do their job because um, he, he famously burnt the first ships when they sailed to mexico and they're like so quote the content uh, the conquest of mexico was a seminal event in human history and these shipwrecks if we can find them will be symbols of the cultural collision that led to what is now the west end quote so this is coming from marine archaeologists frederick hanselman and which if you think about it it's really true because if cortez didn't burn those ships or get rid of those ships think about it those guys didn't want to be there they're just getting they're just doing their jobs some of them like it but other ones are like why am i here you sailed me across the ocean for three months to come to this strange place it's super hot humid.
0: just kill these people
1: Mm -hmm. there's malaria there's yellow there's a lot of diseases that they didn't have So, how are, especially because they're underwater, so we're dealing with marine archaeologists. Crazy interesting field. They dragged magnometers, so magnetic meters. So They're tracking for metals. And so they're dragging them through the ocean to search for artifacts, usually finding uh, the two anchors at a depth of 10 to 15 meters, a.k.a. for Americans, 33 to 49 feet. And they're buried between a thick layer of sediment, so you wouldn't see them if, like, you went scuba diving down there. Uh They're buried pretty deep. The largest anchor measures nearly four meters long and about one point six meters wide. And it did not translate that for me, so um, I'm going to guess that's about. I'm going to say about half. So that's uh fifteen-ish meters long and. I'm not going to try to do this 1.6 meters wide. I cannot do that math in my head. Mm -hmm. Don't judge me. And really, like you said, it's the 500th anniversary of Cortez's arrival. So there's a ton of interest, probably a ton of money going into this. Right. Because I remember when um, it was what the 600 or 400th anniversary of Plymouth I think it was Plymouth or, like, Jamestown. There's a bunch of interests. Like, Queen Elizabeth came over to America and be like, yay, thank you. We founded this. <laughs> I really Let's wish stop. this
0: was... I really wish we could see what the the gestures <laughs> Courtney's doing right now. In, it's, like, by, a midway between the robot and the signature <laughs> Queen Elizabeth waving thing. It's It's... We're both very tired.
1: We're both very tired for very different reasons. And I'm in a giant hoodie blanket. So that's <laughs> glad. So it makes it more interesting. Yeah. Like I said, my apartment is cold, so I need to stay warm. Um, so really, this is why there's been a renewed surge in this. Because, you know, anniversaries. We love them. I don't know what the 500th anniversary is. Is it platinum? Is it gold? Who's to say? okay it, is it apologizing for the crimes against your people probably so mexican president andre manuel lopez obrador who actually has written several history books publicly asked for the spanish king felipe the six and pope francis to apologize to indigenous mexicans for the death and destruction at least by the conquest so yeah apparently it is <laughs>
0: He's such a cool, like he's apparently a really cool guy. He's fairly new, but mm-hmm. he's. Uh, it sounds like he, and I don't want to say anything without actually looking into it and sort of looking politically, you know, deeper into the subject. But apparently, yeah. he's a really cool president.
1: And I know Felipe the Six. Um, I was actually in Spain when he got crowned. God, that was six years ago now. So wow. yeah. <laughs> I had to think about it, I was like, oh, it was 2014. It's not quite six years, but it's getting there. So he, But he definitely is more of a bringing the monarchy into the modern period, even though that branch of the Spanish monarchy is only, I think, new as of the 80s, 70s, 80s, when Franco died. We also have, because of this, you know, we have the anchors, but then there's also, in case you're interested in learning more, two new television series one released um, in November 2019 by TV Azteca called Hernan, and another that is being developed by a, a little director known as Steven Spielberg, which will be entitled Cortez, and it will star, um, you know, a small unknown actor named Javier Bardem. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's just what? two little unknowns. Well, I-
0: Spielberg needs to get off his butt and do the next Indiana Jones before Harrison Ford's croaks. So, it's uh, two cents.
1: So, because these anchors are now documented, they are actually returned to where they were found. So, they basically took them up, documented them, put them back. Because they were actually so well preserved in that deep sediment that they're like, it's actually better for us to leave them here. So, that's according to Inna. And that's... The end of my anchor story, but I think Maxwell and I should watch Hernan when it comes it,
0: out and do a, like a live commentary. On yeah, like Twitch.
1: Well, there's Hernan and then there's Cortez, so we can watch one and then watch the other and compare the American version and then the Mexican the,
0: the Mexican version. Okay,
1: yeah. Wow,
0: our I like this synergy that's happening. I know. Uh yeah, it's just it's so interesting. And again, it's so interesting that this is all sort of coming out now like 500 years after the fact it is also 500 years since the kind of the the sacking we'll just say the sacking of the aztec empire by Mm cortez so i'm wondering if there's more of kind of a push towards you know looking into a lot of these kind of lingering questions now that we're approaching that date
1: I would say definitely. There's probably more money. They've probably within the past five years they probably have released more money to academics and like archaeologists and institutions to be like, hey, for the five hundredth anniversary, let's do something to like acknowledge um, what happened and like bring more history. Yeah, I know makes sense. we re- we we just reached uh, the hundredth anniversary of women's suffrage and the history groups i've been a part of they are they've been working on it for over a year before it so like these the exhibits you see the works you see like by historians and all of that those are years in the making <laughs> so support humanities guys
0: yep well <laughs> that same thing i think this new president actually does he, he as i understand he's kind of a left-wing guy and he i think Has put a lot of funding into the arts and history, which is probably why we're seeing these discoveries happen because there's actually the funding for it. All right, so my final one is actually one you sent to me, Courtney, like literally in the last 24 hours, and it is the craziest thing. And I'm again kicking myself, I haven't done an episode on it because, yeah, so and I'll talk more about this towards the end, but season two quote unquote of relic was very much focused on uh crimes like kind of true crimes Mm -hmm. with like occasionally spooky elements interjected so i started off this the second season with the theft of the isabella stewart Gardner museum yeah uh which involves a lot of stolen famous paintings but i didn't do this this one Mm -hmm. so um i'm not gonna do the sizzle i'm just gonna i am just going to kind of walk you through the timeline okay uh up to the recent events so it starts in 1997 so this is the uh takes place at the Galleria Ricciardi in Piacenza that's my terrible Italian accent
1: yeah I was like Um, that sounds Italian
0: it is it (laughs) is it is Uh, So it's 1997 and there's an art student by the name of Claudia Maga who comes in and she's looking at this Gustav Klimt painting. Gustav Klimt is one of my favorite artists. He's really cool. He does a lot with... It's almost this mix of stylistic and lifelike portraits yeah. Uh, he does a lot with it's it's almost in its own style independent of Art Nouveau but sometimes it's put in there. there's a lot of textures and shapes, like a lot of like circles and triangles and just patterns that are really bright. He most famously did the kiss, which is hanging in the dorm room of every college student.
1: I actually the,
0: a poster of it, not the painting. Yeah
1: I actually know someone who has that as a tattoo.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's very iconic. Most people don't know that's Klimt. They just know the painting. But Gustav Klimt, he's really cool. So there was a portrait of his just called Portrait of a Lady hanging in the um, the Ricciardi Gallery. And an art student, she's really young, I think her 18 years old, her name is Claudia Maga. She's looking at it, she's kind of just sort of taking it in, and then she realized she's seen it before, kind of. So she thumbs to this uh, art textbook, and she sees a painting that's been missing since 1912. It looks, so it basically looks like, the, the painting is, it's a woman kind of looking over her shoulder, Kind of, like, almost like she's sort of, like, mm. looking up from, like, reading or something. She almost has kind of a bouffant hairstyle. Yeah. She's wearing a very sort of abstract blouse. It's it's a pretty plain painting in terms of portraits. Mm-hmm. And um, she's surrounded by, like, a lot of green, sort of a field of, like, different green hues and... Yeah. Uh, shades. And so she's just looking out of the gallery at the, the the person viewing her. That was a really clumsy way of saying it, but that's just... So she's thumbing through and she looks at a similar painting that has a, a, f- this, a woman wearing a scarf with a bare shoulder. It looks to be very dark and sort of like a wide brim hat. And she's like, this lady has the same face. So she kind of does this like CSI thing where she gets tracing yes. paper, she draws the original, she like she does the same kind of um, rate, the ratio. uh, Mm -hmm. What am I talking about? in art aspect ratio yeah like the same sort of the whole the whole shebang Mm uh my caffeine crash is happening right now so (laughs) i'm starting to just mumble and pull words out of the ether and draw blanks but she basically she's like guys i think this is the same painting and so they look into it they do x-rays on it and sure enough there is they say another lady underneath the lady the portrait of the lady so there is he painted over it, and they discovered that Gustav Klimt had fallen in love with this Austrian woman who died suddenly, and he was just absolutely heartbroken. So he painted over – painted over it and just, you know, kept the face and called it a day. And, of course, Aww. his works got famous, and um, they put it in the gallery. Mm-hmm. So the gallery goes through a renovation – uh a, you know a few days after and they're like we're gonna put this up as you know kind of this this sort of star attraction because it's this big news that we've discovered mm-hmm. essentially a missing painting under an existing painting yeah so the gallery director gets a call about the day bef- before this all happens and they're like we can't find the painting and he's like, "Oh well, did you just move it during the operations? I know that you know we're renovating things; it could have." Uh, and they're like, "No, we can't find it." So they go, they start to look for it, and they're someone's on the roof for some reason, and they find the frame of the painting next to a skylight. No. So they're like someone stolen it, and they think that someone in the most comical, like Looney Tunes mm-hmm. style, took a fishing rod with like a hook on the end attached it through the skyline and pulled it through like off the wall like it's like some car carmen san diego this is nonsense. like sense
1: pink panther
0: bs yeah right except here's the thing they they basically try to replicate how that would work the pay- the frame can't fit through that sky skylight anyway it's like how did this get on the roof yeah. So they do- so They immediately sent the, you know, boots on the ground. It's Italy and people care about paintings. They care about culture. Now, at yeah. the time, there was a disgraced prime minister or president. Uh, yeah, prime minister, Bettino, uh, I don't know how you would say this in Italian. It looks like Craxi. If you were to say it in English, there's an X there. I don't know how you pronounce Craxi? it in Italian. Is it? Car- did you just say that with like the, did you make a hand gesture? Did you do the Italian like? yes okay um that's okay i do that when i speak italian i think it's mandatory you have to speak with your hands so they they um on april the first of april 1997 not long after this goes down border police intercept a package on the italian french uh front they call it the frontier advent amelia and it's the package addressed to the former italian prime minister who was hiding in exile in Hamamat, Tunisia. They open it and they find the painting. They find the the missing Klimt. Oh
1: my God. And they're
0: like, they think it's an April Fool's joke. And they're like, okay, but maybe it's real. So they get it and they look at it and they're like, this is it. And then they smell something and they look closer. The painting, the paint is still fresh. It's not the original, (laughs) it's a forgery. So it gets weirder, right? Uh. And it remains a mystery until... Courtney, mm. last, last month in December yeah. of 2019. So
1: who knew December 2019? Big year, big,
0: sorry, big month for archaeology. Uh,
1: yeah. It's a big Where month for then? a bad year.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. So there's, it's 23 years later. There's a gardener who's doing work outside on the external wall of the museum. So he's out, so he's outside. Mm-hmm um and he finds while he's kind of weeding or um he's so it's an exterior wall of the gallery the gardeners are clearing away ivy which had grown overgrown like it just wasn't really well maintained so it's been there for a while yeah and they find a, tra- a trap door essentially or like a recess or like some kind of thing and they're like what is this they open it inside a bag Mm -hmm. Inside the bag is the original portrait of a lady. It's been in the museum the whole time. Just hidden. This
1: is like some Inception-level BS
0: right now. And it's so weird because they get, like, there's this mysterious call between 1997 and I think in 2014 or 15 they get a call from this mysterious voice saying that they'll return it on the anniversary. It never happens. But now they're thinking, well, maybe he did return it and he just hid it. And it just, there was no way to tell them where it was without giving away their identity. So they have no idea uh, how it, what happened other than it's back. They found the painting. The Lost Treasure is no longer lost, but they still have no idea why or who. So that remains the mystery. So very weird.
1: I'm just thinking um, the Eminem song, Guess Who's Back? Back again, Back
0: again. Gustav Klimt. Uh,
1: yeah. So, man, that's that's it. That's my crazy oh my story. This has been a wild ride.
0: Yes, on it so has. many levels.
1: One, we had my, we started off with talking about The Witcher. Then we had to do a finger update, which probably by the next time we record, I'll probably have a fingertip again. I still, um, hope you, I hope
0: you have a finger next time.
1: I still have a finger. The tip Courtney's is just missing.
0: Finger will be the next episode of Relic um on that note uh just in terms of content i'm not really kind of doing seasons anymore i just don't have the time for that sort of level of consistency so i do hope episodes are going to come out on a you know fortnightly to weekly basis Um uh, but we're not going to really do themes anymore we're just going to do weird treasures i think i've been a little bit restricting things so i really want to focus on kind of weirder stuff like lost cities like really indiana jones level things and we're gonna have a couple of guests on hopefully some big big podcast guests in the coming weeks as we hit uh get closer to our 50th episode
1: yeah you hit your 50th i just recorded my hundredth you know crazy things oh
0: well you didn't need to show show me up there just now but you did
1: (laughs) Well, like you have seasons. So seasons, you get to take breaks. It's not as consistent. No, I mean like no, it's I'm not, like being, you you I'm you just do being difficult. <laughs> you can find you can be difficult. It's fine. I feel like it's just you never. As long as you're producing a, con- a quality content, you can like endorse. It is what it is. My I've taken weird breaks just because of work, and whatever my life is ha- doing. We're not going to talk about that, but <laughs> besides the weird shape of my finger.
0: <gasps> um. All right, plug away.
1: Okay, yeah. If you want to hear Maxwell talk about more fun things on my podcast, The Cult of Domesticity, check out it on all podcatchers as well as on Facebook and Twitter at Domestic Podcast and on Instagram at The Cult of Domesticity where there are – domestic arts instagram stories yeah
0: you teach us how to cook things
1: i do teach you I, you get to cook with me and uh last time you got to watch me loot like slice my finger so was the,
0: wait that was on camera
1: it was not on camera um but i did it bandage it up and i go well <laughs> we're gonna keep going guys and then oh, i continued gosh. to cook yeah oh, so man. it was fun so you
0: All right, guys. Well, you can find me at Lost Treasure Pod on Twitter. And um, we have the Patreon, which is just patreon.com slash relic. And we also have the Facebook group. So give us a like. All right. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye.